0: You know, every single one of us is molded by something. Everyone, everyone will become a pattern of whatever has the greatest influence in your life. Whatever influences you most, whatever is that thing in your life that you cherish, that is what You will most likely become. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, Paul says this Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Now, before I continue to move forward. I do want to say this real quick because I don't want anybody to go out and have their lights, uh, their car not working. They're, the lights are on a gray Toyota Corolla, FFA 4974. Just want to say it real quick. So if you have a Corolla, don't be embarrassed. Go out there and turn your lights off so you don't have to get a jump after the service. See, we're here to serve you at Grace Chapel, you know, caring about you and you you know, have to worry about pushing your car. <laughs> <laughs> it might be it might be dead for you right now because you've been here for a while ah uh, okay we read that passage in in romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 and as we as we read that and we think about paul as we study paul's pattern of teaching throughout the bible all throughout the bible we see that doctrine comes before ethics Doctrine comes before ethics. Doctrine is the foundation. What I mean is, he teaches us what we must believe, and then he teaches us how we should live in light of that truth. So first, what we should believe, doctrine, and then how we should live in the light of that truth. Ethics. How we live it out. How it impacts our lives. He moves from what we need to believe to what must be done he moves from teaching to exhortation first the teaching first first we receive it he teaches us and at grace chapel we call it teach and apply it's one of the basic principles of what we do here at grace chapel we want to teach you the word of god then once you understand the word of god we want you to apply it to your life that's what he's talking about here from doctrine to ethics he says as he goes forward in in romans chapter 12 verse 1 he says therefore therefore whenever you see the word therefore you need to ask what it's there for That's kind of easy to remember right it's cool as you read through the Bible. It says, therefore. So whenever you hear the word, when you see the word, read the word, therefore, you need to ask yourself, what is it there for? So when I read therefore, I say what in my mind? What is it what's it there for? Exactly. Let's do it one more time. Therefore. What is it there? Yeah, see, what's it there for? And then you got to ask. And so Paul lays it out. And then he says, therefore, therefore. After he lays out the truth, he says, therefore, now that I've taught you all these things... Now that I've laid it all out for you, I want you to act. I want you to respond. I want you to do something. I want you I want you to do something. I've taught you these things. Now go get them. Now apply it to your life. Now do something with what the information that I have given you. He wants us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God for this is our spiritual act of worship. He says, present yourselves to God. Your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. He's not saying, he's not asking you to die for Jesus here. He's asking you to live for Jesus. He's saying, give of yourself, give of your, of your whole self, everything that you are, everything, everything that every, every part of your being, offer up your body, your living body, your breathing body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. He wants us, to to, to conform to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. He does not want us to be conformed to the image of the world. He's saying, don't be conformed to the image of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The opposite of being conformed To the world is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Once that happens, once you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, once you take on the mold, if you will, of Jesus Christ then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I mean, so many times in your life, how many times in your life, because it is so many, have you, have you said, God, what is your will for my life? What is your purpose for my life? What is your plan for my life? If you wanna know God's will and his calling and his plan for your life and his purpose for your life, you need to offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice. Sacrifice falling into the mold of Jesus Christ, becoming more like Jesus Christ. Once you offer up your body as a living sacrifice, once you serve him, once you become a servant of Jesus Christ, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You will be able to understand what God wants you to do with your life, how God wants you to serve him, how God wants you to interact with others and invest in their lives, We need to live out every moment of our lives as a living sacrifice. See, the only question is, what pattern? We're all going to be, we all are going to be molded into something. The only question is, what pattern will you conform to? Not whether or not you're going to conform, but what pattern will you conform to? It's either we can conform to the image of Jesus Christ or we conform to the image of the world. Those are, those, are, those are our two options. There are no other options there. Conform to the image of Christ or conform to the image of world. There are no other possibilities. God says you're either for me or you are against me. It's either, it's either, it's either, sec- it's either sacred or it's sinful. You're either for me or you're against me. There is no ground there. There's no, there's no secular safe ground, if you will. Because it's not sinful; it's what? Sacred. Okay, sacred. Now, for those of you who are here for the first time, or maybe you're coming for a month, and I've been I've been saying that over and over, and you're not really sure why we keep saying that here at Grace Chapel. Here's the reason: the world lays out a secular, sacred mindset. We're here in church right now, so this is sacred. We're we're worshiping God. We're talking about spiritual things, so this is sacred territory. The moment, this is, the, this is Plato's philosophy, not a biblical worldview. The moment you leave this place and go to the restaurant, that's secular. You go to your game, that's secular. You watch something, it's secular. It's all secular. So only when you come to Bible study, when you go to church, if you're praying, if you're reading your Bible, that is sacred everything else is secular. That's, a, that's Plato's worldview, okay, that has been adopted by our culture and now adopted over the last hundred years by the church. That is not a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview is very simple. Things are either sinful or they're... God created all things. He created everything. And this world has fallen, so things have become corrupted all right. So you can take some good things, nothing wrong with dancing, right? Nothing wrong with this. It's, it's, it's sacred, it talks about dancing in the Bible, but you can take dancing and corrupt it and make it sinful, okay? But dancing in and of itself is not sinful. It's fun, I can do it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's not sinful. It's, 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 it's sacred, it belongs to God. And we, we at Grace Chapel are not going to give over territory to the enemy that does not belong to him, okay? It belongs to God. Satan created nothing. God created everything. All the enemy can do is corrupt what God created. So that when I say things are either sinful or sacred, that's what we're talking about. So the next time I say if it's not sinful, you say? Exactly. That's what it's all about. So there is no secular safe ground here, okay? Okay? God says you're either for me or against me. It's either sinful or it's sacred. Aligning yourself, and we're talking about being being put in a mold. Okay, we want to be we want to be in the mold of Jesus Christ. We want to become more like Jesus Christ. Aligning yourself with people in the world who pretend to be nonconformist doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. You know, sometimes those who are younger, they want to be famous. They want to, and, and older too, but I'm just talking younger right now. They want to be famous musicians, or they want to be a famous artist. Or they want to be a famous writer, or they want to be a famous actor. Or they want to be a famous filmmaker. Or they want to be a famous whatever. And so what happens is they, they think they have to leave. If they're a believer in Jesus Christ, they have to leave themselves, if you will, Leave the mold of Christ in order to pursue those things. Because, of course, this is sacred. And once you step outside, then they, they, you know, every, everywhere else you go is, is secular. So they think they have to... Be, they begin, if you will, they begin to to dress a certain way to look a certain way to fit into whatever they think they need to do in order to become whatever they think they need to become in order to be famous or whatever it is to move into that realm and so they begin to, to look a certain way they begin to to talk a, a certain way they, they, they think themselves out of the mainstream they, they're not they're not like everybody else but what what they and others don't realize is that they are just conforming to a pattern another pattern another worldly mold if you will that's all that's happening here you're leaving you're leaving you're 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 walking away from the mold of Jesus Christ becoming and conforming yourself to the image of Jesus Christ you're leaving that and you're just being conformed to another worldly mold that's all that's happening Now, let me be absolutely positively clear. There is nothing wrong with being an actor. There is nothing wrong with being a filmmaker. There's nothing wrong with being a writer. There's nothing, matter of fact, they're all fantastic. And I want to encourage the living daylights out of you, some of you, to go and get involved in those areas. The Lord needs people in those areas. But here's the thing. You can't compromise and become like them to be involved in it. I loved I loved uh, the the uh, what was it the Grammys was it um, and Natalie Grant who's been here two or three times at our church I love the fact that she she didn't make a big deal out of it she didn't she didn't ca- carry on and accuse anybody she just she felt like this is not where I need to be right now she got up and left the Grammys and what she said afterwards I never felt so good about about praising and singing from my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. She is conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. She can be a phenomenal singer. She can, you can be a phenomenal actor or an actress. You can be a phenomenal uh, fil- uh, you know, filmmaker. You can do all those things. What you cannot do, because you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you cannot compromise who you are compromise who you are at your very core in order to do those things. If God wants you to have that, you will have it. Some of you are so gifted, and I want to encourage you to go out there and write great scripts, and I want you to go out there and act like, you, like no one else can act, and I want you to write great films, and I want you to be involved. I want you to be the greatest musician in the world. But Paul tells us that we are to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Paul tells us that we are not to be conformed to the image of this world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. When we leave this place and we go into a different environment, we do not change and we do not allow that environment to change us. We change the environment. We become salt and light in that environment. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm just telling it's true. I'm telling you that's what a follower of Jesus Christ is. I leave this place and I go to a restaurant... I do, not, I do not change who I am. I'm still a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a pastor here. I'm a pastor there. I'm a pastor at Taekwondo. I'm a pastor when I go on, a, on vacation. I don't leave. I don't, I don't go into the secular world and act differently or, or portray myself as something different or use different language or dress a different way. I am who I am. That's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be who he has called us to be regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in. So it's not whether we're going to conform, but rather which pattern we'll conform to, either the world or Jesus Christ. So we have to be careful here. We have to be very careful. Paul tells us in verse 3 how we are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. How we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. He says that transformation is measured by an accurate humility of yourself. It's it's, it's measured by an accurate humility of yourself, understanding who you are. He says, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but with sober, sober judgment in accordance with the gifts and the faith that God has given you. You need to be, we need to be humble. We need to have a humble spirit. Let me give you my definition of humility. Humility is understanding who you are, knowing who you are, and knowing who you are in relation to God. You want to be humble? There can be fake humility or false humility, but you want to really be humble? You can be humble by understanding who you are in relation to God. That is true Humility. And when I understand who I am, it is much more difficult for the world to press me into its mold of any kind. When I, if you know who you are, as you get a little older, I know it's more difficult when you're younger, but I'm trying to just pass this stuff on. If you know who you are, if you understand who you are in Jesus Christ, it is extremely difficult for you to be pressured into another mold, to be pressured to do something that you shouldn't do. Because you know who you are in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. If I leave this place and I go somewhere and there's 20 people who think completely different than what I think, and they ask me my opinion, I will give them my opinion. They can all start laughing at me. But you know what? It won't change my opinion. It won't change me. I won't get all sweaty and worry about it. I know who I am. I know what the Word of God says. I know what I'm I'm speaking. I understand why I'm saying it. It's not going to change who I am. I'm not going to be pressed into their mold because they don't agree with me, because I know who I am in Jesus Christ. Paul says, "Think of yours. Don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Make sure that you have that humility. Come at it from a, an attitude of humility. We, he, when, when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, my friends, we know, we know who we are, and we can live out our faith without fear, without intimidation, because what." can you, oh man, do to me? I know who I am and I know where I'm going. And so what can this world do to me? What pressure they can, can they put on me to make me become something that I'm not? Now, we talk about being pressed into a mold and not being pressed into a worldly mold. And that's not because, because being pressed into a mold is completely wrong. It's just being pressed into the wrong mold is wrong. It's wrong to be pressed into the wrong mold. We are all, my friends, we are all going to, we are going to be, we are all going to choose what kind of mold we will be pressed into. That's just reality. We, that's just reality. When we're transformed, it's because we have placed our lives in Christ, in Christ's mold. When we, when we give our lives to Christ, we place our lives into Christ's mold. We, are, we talked about it last week. We are growing up to become more like him each and every day. So it's okay to be molded, to be transformed in the image of Christ. It's just not okay to be molded into the image of the world. This morning is about giving ourselves to God. It's about having a willingness to go where he asks us to go and do what he has asked us to do. That is serving. That's what we're talking about. Having that kind of attitude, having that kind of heart, that willingness to give him all of who we are. This passage is radical. This is a radical passage, but so should our service. We should be radical in our service. That should be our hearts. We need to understand, each of us needs to understand that we belong to Jesus Christ. Whether we're here at church or we're at work or we're at school, wherever we are, we belong to Jesus Christ. We are his. We are followers of Jesus Christ and we need to be be placed into that mold. You know what the mold needs to be? If you could picture this, turn this there and pour hot metal into that mold. If that could hold hot metal. And that hot metal just, it, it cools and it hardens. That's what we need to be like. conform to the image of Jesus Christ, immovable. Not able to be reformed into anything else because we know who we are, whether we're here, whether at work, whether at school, whether on the court, it doesn't matter. We know who we are. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We know who we are. We understand who God has called us to be. We understand what the future looks like to each one of us. We understand where we're going And we need to hold on to that truth. No matter how hard the world presses in on us, we need to have that radical attitude of servanthood. You know, God has used this church in miraculous ways in the past. He has used us in such incredible, incredible ways. He has given us opportunities to impact our world and impact our community in unique and creative ways. And I want to spend the rest of the service just sharing with you some of the ways that God has used this church. You may not even know it. Some of you have heard bits and pieces of this, but I want to lay it out. And this is not an exhaustive list of things that god has done through grace chapel but i want to lay this out for you as an encouragement to what god is doing in our midst and how god can use us also in the future did you know that grace chapel has the largest church archery ministry in the united states over nine we've reached out to over nine thousand students in our public schools we've had over a thousand people come into the grace impact center through our archery ministry did you know that Grace Chapel has birthed the largest marketplace ministry in the United States of America? At Work on Purpose. At Work on Purpose has reached out to over 6,000 working Christians and, and so many others around the country. That's just in this area. At Work on Purpose is recognized as one of the leaders, leading ministries in the country. It's been recognized, and an article was written about it in, in uh, Christianity Today. It's impacting lives all around, first started in the church, has grown outside of the church into the city, the largest marketplace ministry in the city, and actually in the country. Over 6,000 people's lives are being touched, and now it's being planted all over the country and all over the world, and you're a part of that. So many of you have invested your time and energy and resources into At Work On Purpose. And how God is using it just, it boggles the mind sometimes to think that God is using this church to do so many dynamic things. Did you know that Grace Chapel has the largest food pantry in Mason? And if you ask my friend Gina Brown, she'll tell you it's the best food pantry in the world. And I wouldn't argue with her because she's right. It is amazing. If you haven't gone in there lately, you should go over there. You should see the kind of uh, the ministry that's going on at the food pantry, this month it's, it's, it's a swap focus, February is the, sw- the swap focus for February is the food pantry, and I want you to go back and make sure you check out the display back there, and all the ways that you can get involved, all the ways that we can give and serve at the food pantry, the Mason food pantry is also sponsoring 15 students to go to camp this summer, from June the 29th through July the 4th, using using a, a grant to, to help kids in fo- who are in foster care or at-risk kids to help them get to camp this summer. God is doing some dynamic things, and I could go on. And if you ever want to hear more about that, talk to Gina, because I could go on and on about the dynamic ways that that, that food pantry is impacting the lives of people in this community. Did you know that Grace Chapel, Birds Self-Sustaining Enterprises... Self-sustaining enterprises in the last 10 years has drilled over 120, 120 wells, servicing over 120,000 people, giving them fresh drinking water, saving thousands, literally, I mean literally thousands of people's lives. People are not dead today that would have been because they have fresh drinking water. It is the it is limitless the the impact that those that those that those boreholes will have on the people of Nigeria. Did you know that self-sustaining enterprises employs over forty people in the United States and around the world. There are business trees here. There are business trees also around the world. Did you know that Self-Sustaining Enterprises built the aquaponic system for the Cincinnati Zoo? They have a new restaurant. It's the number, it is the most uh, green-friendly restaurant in the country by a long shot. And Self-Sustaining Enterprises that was birthed from your hearts and my heart as well built the aquaponic system for that that restaurant. We built the aquaponic system for the Crone Conservatory. Something you may not know, that self-sustaining enterprises establish an angel fund. And through targeting investments in emerging companies, we, our goal is to help staff, to, to fund staff and projects for back-to-back ministries. That is our heart. That is our goal. We are being unconventional so that we can be transformational. Because some people are scratching their heads. If you've never been to this church, it, it, so I, I, I always wonder how people, what people think when they come to Grace Chapel the first time and hear some of this stuff because like, Man, am I a church? Yeah, you are a church. We're being unconventional so we can be transformational. If it's not sinful, exactly. So why would we not use the resources, the gifts and talents of Billy, of everybody in this room, everybody that calls himself a member of Grace Chapel, to impact the lives of people around the world? This is just basically the parable of the talents on steroids is what we're doing. We are taking it literally and saying, yes, Lord, we will use all the gifts, all the talents, all the abilities of the people in this church that you've given to us and outside of this church to impact the lives of children and people around the world. And you know, you say that and just kind of goes off. And let me explain something to you. Do you know how many children are, are, are trafficked each year? Let's take just picture, if you will, even if it bothers you, a six or seven or five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-old little boy or little girl who is trafficked their entire lives. They're sold into that slavery because their parents don't have a job; they don't have an economic base, and so they're sold into slavery. Picture, just just you know, use your imagination, okay, and think about that. Then picture a child whose both parents have now died of AIDS. They're six years old. They're in—I don't even quite—Guatemala, Nigeria, can't, can't, it doesn't matter, India, and they're both their parents are dead, and for the first time in their lives, they have no parents, and the sun is going down. And for the first time in their lives, they're wondering, who's going to take care of me? Where am I going to go tonight? I better be quiet. I don't want anybody to find me because they find me. So there's a six or seven-year-old. How many of you have, have had or have six or seven-year-olds or eight-year-olds in your lives right now? And can you imagine dumbing them off in some city and saying, oh, go fend for yourself. I hope, I hope nothing happens to you. And, then you. and then people ask the question, why do we do this? I don't understand the question. I honestly, before God, don't understand the question. If we are going to impact our world, then according to my Bible, it says we have to use unorthodox means in order to do that. And show, me a, show me a battle in the Bible that wasn't unorthodox. Hey, Gideon, with your 30,000 man army, send 20,000, all the scared people home, go down to the water and drink like, a, whoever drinks like a dog, you keep them. And the rest of the people, send them home. Now I'm gonna take the 300 of you and go against an army of over 100,000. Does that sound good to you? Does that, sound like, does that sound like a battle strategy to you? It worked. It's unorthodox because God came up with it, right? I mean, Joshua marching around Jericho, Hey, do this, blow the horn, everything, whole thing comes down to Does that sound like a normal battle strategy to you? It's called unorthodox. David and Goliath go through the Bible, it's unorthodox. God, it, it is our heritage as the body of Christ to use unorthodox means to impact the world around us. No one should question why we do what we do because if it's not sinful, it is sacred, it belongs to God and we're gonna use every weapon in our arsenal to attack the enemy and to, and, to, and to surround ourselves to protect children and protect people and give parents jobs so they don't have to sell their children into those things. That's why we do what we do. That's why we're trying to impact the world. And we hope, we hope, and we're encouraging other churches and other organizations to engage in the same type of activities that we're engaged in so we can have greater kingdom impact. We want to encourage other churches and organizations to follow what we're doing because we know that we will have greater impact if we as the body of Christ come together and do it together. Our ministries and ministry partners have impacted this world. We have ministries at Grace Chapel. We have ministry partners that have been birthed out of this church and ministry partners that we come alongside. One of those ministries is back-to-back ministries. My wife and I started back-to-back in 1996. It started out as our impact ministry of our youth ministry, reaching out to over 900 students a year. Impact is still alive under 121, as a part of 121 under back-to-back ministries. Chris Cox came up here a few weeks ago and shared with you all the dynamic and exciting things that are going on through, through 121. And let me just give you a quick, just a tiny, just, a, just a, a snippet of what's happening at 121. This week, I believe Chris is in, in Monterey putting on a camp for some of the orphan kids there who are older, like the high schoolers. He brings the whole team down there and he puts on a camp for about 130 or 40 high school students who are orphaned. And he invests in their lives and lets them know they're created in the image of God, that God can use them and impact their lives. And it's transformational. He came home last year and told me about it. I was in tears when he told me the impact that it had on those children's lives, those older children. Just being able to invest in them. Through 121, now that we have Pleasant Vineyard Camp, now we're a part of that ministry. Now through 121, we're going to be able to have a camp from July the, uh, June the 29th through July the 4th, and we're gonna send 30 at-risk and foster kids to that camp under 121. We are going to build At the Pleasant Vineyard Camp, only 45 minutes away, we're going to build an African village. Then we're going to build all the sites, wherever back-to-back has a site, we're going to build that site. We're going to reconstruct an African village 45 minutes from here. So that you and your family can go to that village and experience what it's like to be or to experience Africa 45 minutes away. To give you a heart and an understanding what it must be like to live in that environment so that you can reach out with the love of Jesus Christ to the world around you with a better understanding. We'll do it, we'll do it for Mexico, we'll do it for India, we'll do it for Nigeria, we'll do it for, we're gonna do it for all those things. We opportunities, God has blessed us in so many ways to use our talents and our gifts and to partner with others to impact this world. The impact and influence of Grace Chapel is often deceiving because of our ministry philosophy, how we do ministry here. At Grace Chapel, here's how we do ministry. Here's how we do it. It isn't like this. Yes, we have ministries within the church, but our goal is sometimes to, because of our philosophy, to birth ministries and allow those ministries to grow outside of the confines of this this property and our structure, and to work alongside for, for kingdom value, for kingdom purposes. Another example of this would be back to back Nigeria. It was you, it was Grace Chapel that had the vision and made the financial sacrifice to expand that ministry into Africa. It was you, years ago, believing that God could use us to impact the world we reached out, we invested our time, our talents and our treasures and now lives are being transformed. That's why there was 120,000 people served by 120 wells that were drilled because you had a vision and you believed it and you were willing to invest in it and make the difference in the lives of people. Part of the uniqueness of Grace Chapel is our innovation and our creativity. We stretch the boundaries of ministry. We stretch the boundaries of ministry. Why? Why? Because like I said, God created everything and everything belongs to him. Everything belongs to God. We will continue, we will never. You may be a little more conservative here in your thought process, which is totally fine. But let me, let me be clear. We will never compromise the word of God in anything we do. The ends will never justify the means and all that kind of stuff. We will stick to the Word of God. We will never compromise the Word of God, but God owns everything. God created everything and that means that means the marketplace that means the government that means the schools that means your home that means what wherever you are, that belongs to God. And as a person conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, you're taking your body as a living sacrifice and you're applying that to every single area of life. Why do we choose to give to the enemy that which does not belong to him? Let me say this again. Satan never created anything. God created everything and it all belongs to him. And some things you think, well, that place, that is just debauchery over there. But you know what? Why don't we redeem it? Why don't we redeem it for the Lord? Why don't we take it back for the kingdom of God? That is what he's called us to do. If it is not sinful, it is... We are choosing to live out our vision of being a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. We need to take that vision. We need to take that heritage forward into the future, and we are. We are starting a new business under self-sustaining enterprises called EPIC. We are going to use uh, our archery ministry, which is, again, in a church, largest in the country. We're going to take that archery ministry. We're going to take the Grace Impact Center, 40,000 square foot facility. We're going to take the Pleasant Vineyard uh, Camp. We're going to take those things. We're going to add to it all the gifts, talents, and abilities, the skills of the business people in this room. And we're going to offer to the business community around us team building and business training. That's what we're gonna build, we're gonna build that. Think about this, how else do you reach out to the business community around you? Bring them cupcakes, that's fine, that'd be a cool thing, go bring them cupcakes, that's cool, I'm sincere, that's really cool. I think one of the best ways to reach a business community, if that guy's business is going under and you say, come, we'll build into you team building, we'll also take the marketing expertise and the writing expertise and the website expertise and the graphic design expertise and bring it to bear on your company so you don't lose your business, so your family doesn't lose their home, we will invest in you in that way. I believe that person will say, scratch your head and say, why would you do that? And you get a chance to share the love of Jesus Christ with that person, you earn the right to be heard. It is unorthodox, it is unconventional, but we want to be unconventional so that we can be transformational. That is our heart, that is our goal. You know, so many churches say, Come and see, come and see, come and see. At Grace Chapel, we say, Go and be. You come here, we will train you, we will, we will inspire you, we will give you all that we have so that you can go and be, you can go and be the person that you were created to be. You can go and use the gifts, talents, and ability that God has given to you to serve and to change the world. We love our community and we want to see our community be, become transformed. But they're not always going to come to us. We need to go to them. Service looks different here at Grace Chapel. I know that. I actually like that. You can be a Sunday school teacher, you can be a life group leader, you can be a greeter. They're all great, but you can also serve in marketing, in graphic design, in writing, in finance. You can also serve in all those areas using your gifts to further the cause of Jesus Christ. And new opportunities are coming up. Some of you are saying, well, that all sounds good, but that's not really touching. Let me give you another opportunity that's coming up. You know, the, the, the donut table over here. We all know, everybody knows what a donut table is, right? Okay, behind the donut table is a big room back there. That is going to become our kitchen. We're going to put a commercial kitchen there. We're going to put a kitchen in that room. And you say, yay, kitchen churches have kitchens. No, not at Grace Chapel. A kitchen's totally different. The, the Mason food pantry is, is going to help us put that kitchen in. They're going to use that, that, that kitchen to help train people or teach people culinary skills or ways to cook that may be more economical, healthy and economical. So we're going to use it for that. We're also, I'm, I'm encouraging any of you who have a passion for cooking, let's get some cooking groups together. Grab some of your friends from work. Grab some of your friends in your neighborhood. We can come over here. We can do cooking classes. It can be your group. The high school is going to have an impact group for the culinary arts and we're going to reach out to high school students who love the culinary arts and we're going to have a group that will use that kitchen that's how we're going to use the kitchen it isn't going to just flip flipping pancakes at easter we're not going to spend that much money to flip packet we're going to we're going to flip some good pancakes at Easter. don't worry about it but but we're going to use it in ways that and, and I, I we're going to use it in ways that i have not even thought of yet because some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, now you've got my attention. I love to cook. That's what we're talking about. We want to use it for that. We're starting a branch of Jobs Plus. Jobs Plus is, 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 a, is a business training ministry, it helps people, it trains people to find jobs. What we want to do is use that Jobs Plus to train people within our church, within our community, around our community who are still struggling in this difficult economic time, still struggling to find a job. I need a few more people to help lead that. We can't launch it until some of you say, I will help lead that. It is basically jobs training. We're going to train people, teach them skills so they can find a job. See, one of the things about our church is we don't want to give people just a handout. We want to give them a hand up. We want to help people go we just don't want to feed them. We want to give them we want to provide an opportunity or be a part of their of their growth. Be a part of the journey, their journey to self-sustainability. That's our goal, to move them along, to give them that hand up so we can move them along and better their lives so they'll be drawn into a relationship with Jesus Christ. My friends, this is the body. We are the body. I'm talking about a local body. We are the body of Jesus Christ. We are a part of that body. Let's walk in boldness wherever he calls us to go. Think about that. We are the body of Christ. Let's walk in boldness. Let's be aggressive. Let's let's make some noise. Let's walk in such a way that that Jesus Christ will be proud and encouraged by who we are, who he's called us to be. Let's live and and serve in such a way that heaven rejoices and that hell shudders. Let's pick a fight. How's that? Let's pick a fight. Let's live our lives in such a way that heaven rejoices seeing what we are capable of doing and, and hell takes notice of what we're doing. I'm willing to take on that fight. I wanna see people's lives changed. I wanna see your lives changed. I don't, I don't want this to be the time, this is it, this is, how, this is the time we spend with God. I wanna spend every day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year serving God. The Bible says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We need as the body of Christ here at Grace Chapel to put away all of our excuses. It is time to put away our excuses. It is time to face our fears and it is time to get into the battle. And every single one of you has been designed by God to be used by God for a specific purpose. We wanna help you find that purpose. We wanna train you and hone your skills in whatever that purpose or calling could be and then send you out into the world as a monster for Jesus Christ, impacting the lives of people all around you. That is our goal. That is our desire. That is God's will for your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity you give us to be together. And we just pray, dear God, that you would use us individually, that you would use us in a profound way. Lord God, if that's just impacting one life, if that's starting a group of people who just want to cook together, where we can talk to each other and invest in each other's lives and help each other through difficulties, God, use us in that way. That's changing the world. And God, as the body of Christ, we're yours. We take our marching orders from you. We don't want to be conformed to this world. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can understand what you're calling us to do. Take it on with all of our hearts. Come up against the enemy with everything that we have. And because you are with us, because you are our God, crush every enemy in our way to achieve all that you have for us. We love you. We ask that you would use us from oldest to youngest. Use us. Please, God, use us. Show us your power. Fill us with your spirit. Use us. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Now, before you leave, there's pizza coming in.